in the are Netherlands. We, for, are we walking in the right direction? Because I feel uh, like we've been walking on this road for quite a long time now. Yeah, babe, we're going to be walking on it for a while longer. There's also no one here. We're the only ones on this road. Yeah, it's because everyone doesn't... They don't know to go to Herstrasse. They go to... Uh, no, it's because no one wants to go to the mountain that belongs to Satan. Oh, well, that's true. Hello and welcome from the 4000 Hertz headquarters in Berlin, another episode of Walrus and the Bear, the podcast that keeps a close ear on this twisted German city. And today, yes, I'm joined again by the British whirlwind that we call Otter. How are you? What are you up to? Well, uh, as you know very well, you are a tour guide as well. It is off-season, so off-season means plenty more time. Time to make podcasts, time to read, time to do nothing. Time to go on a holiday. <laughs> time to go on a holiday. Yeah, I was in France for two weeks, which was amazing. Now, well, shall we dive straight into the story then? I think that would be a good idea. <laughs> was this old, you know, spy station on top of a hill in West Berlin. This is Kieran Hay. I just thought, okay, I have to check it out because obviously it sounds quite interesting. He checked out the place back in 2009 and then wrote about it on his website Abandoned Berlin. It became one of the most popular posts on the site. The only word that can describe it is trashed. It's totally, um, absolutely trashed. Hold up, um, what, what are we talking about here? Uh, we're talking about Devil's Mountain, or actually Teufelsberg. So and it, it, it actually has something to do with the devil, right? Not really. Um, so it, it, but it, it is a mountain. Nope, not really. All right, so there's a, there's a big fence around a mountain that is named after the devil. Um, that really sounds like something Walrus and Otter would be interested in. Exactly, and that's why we went up. It was scary at times. Uh, this looks pretty dark. I need the light, Otter. Oh, holy fuck. There were people with guns. Well, I asked him if it was normal, if he weighted people up with a gun. A true adventure in which we unraveled the mysteries of this intricate mountain in Berlin. This is Teufelsberg, or Devil's Mountain. Jingle. Okay, talk, talk to me. Okay, um, I want you to imagine yourself as a uh, 1980s slash 1970s young recruit from the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've just come from Georgia, you know, wherever that is in the United States, and you've been, you, you signed up to the army, but they were like, okay, I'm going to put you on surveillance duty. And you're like, I don't really know what that means, but I'm going to go on surveillance duty. And then you get posted to this place called Germany. And you're like, Germany? I don't even speak German. But okay, I'll go to Germany. And they post you to Germany and they put you in West Berlin. And then every morning for the next three years, you come to an U-Bahn station called Herstrasse. And that is where Izzy and I got off the train at Herstrasse. And it's here that our journey for Teufelsberg begins. Now, it's quite a peculiar hill. It's so Teufelsberg is a hill, and right on the top of it is the spy station that everyone wants to go and look around. You just blew my surprise. You just couldn't hold back, could you? How is this my well, fault? it's you saying it, right? Stop your fourth world drama, Walrus. Let's find the station first. We can talk about its history along the way. Okay, so Devil's Mountain. Yes, Devil's Mountain. Do you know what it's named after? Um, it is named after the devil. Or were you not aiming for that? No, I wasn't. 
I was actually name I was actually aiming for the more historically accurate. Oh right. So the um, the mountain of rubble that was put here. Is that what you're talking about? No, it's not named after that. Fuck's sake. Devil's Mountain, Teufelsberg. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going on lots of tangents here. Devil's Mountain is named Teufelsberg, named after Teufelsee, which is a very nearby lake, which has been called Teufelsee since uh, it was named many moons ago. I didn't know that. I had no idea. You learn something new every day, every day with me. But why did you think it was named after something else? Because it's got, it's got quite an interesting history, doesn't it, about it? How was Teufelsberg? created because it wasn't created by some kind of almighty god or or soil erosion due to a river or some kind of glacier melting away i really like how you're naming all of the ways that you can make a hill of course this is an academic program um no but it, it is true it's not a natural way of of making a mountain it's actually a, a, a bunch of of junk and rubble coming from the city of berlin where did that rubble come from Walter? Well, the houses were not looking too great uh, by the end of the Second World War. Um, they decided, shall we renovate them or is this just a lost cause? And decided, you know what, let's take that junk outside of the city. Let's not keep it here. Let's bring it somewhere where we don't see it. Now, before all this rubble piling began, before the Second World War started, there was already something there. In the middle of the green forest called Grunewald, something arose amid the trees. If you're going to talk about Teufelsberg, you say, it all began with this. Where where do you begin? But it surely began with um, the dream, basically, of uh, Adolf Hitler and his uh, chief architect, Albert Speer, to uh, basically replace Berlin with a new world capital they would call Germania. This man is Chris Wunsch, and Chris recently published a book about Teufelsberg. And it's uh, the foundation stone of that new city, as well as um, the shell of the first building projects, in this case uh, a factory for the military, that still lie actually under the mountain today. So just to briefly talk about Germania, Germania was a project that was orchestrated by Hitler and Albert Speer to totally recreate the city of Berlin. It was going to become a new Welthauptstadt, Hauptstadt der Welt, the capital city of the world. And supposedly Hitler wanted buildings to be so tall that the shadows would be cast over London and Paris. Now, obviously, Hitler had no grasp of actual physics um, but you can get the idea behind uh, what he was trying to create he was trying to create buildings that were so massive so incredibly intimidating so incredibly impressive that the entire world would regard Germania as the Hauptstadt der Welt capital city of the world yes yeah, so the, uh, the military facility was one of these buildings um, after the war they tried to blow it up they could not and they decided to cover it up okay all right babe what we're gonna do I think we're just cut Fuck it, let's just cut through the fucking... Is it on the right here? Yeah, it's just straight oh, up. This is ex- now things get exciting. Now things get... Look, check, 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 check. Oh, wow. Okay, All so right. we are now moving away from the road. Instantly turned into an adventure. Look at it, look at it. We're now walking over this tiny little pathway through the forest. Um, up the mountain. We're actually walking up. We're going up the mountain. All right, so do you, want to, do you want me to tell you why Devil's Mountain was placed in this particular area? Oh, was there a reason for this particular area? Yeah. But uh, weren't there more rubble heaps? 
Yeah. No, there are, I think, about 12 other mountains in Berlin, but they are. Um, but Teufelsberg is really the highest of them all. All right. Well, tell me why, why this one was particularly for the biggest rubble. Okay, so end of Second World War. Massive heaps and heaps of rubble. The rubble, they put it in trucks and those trucks would find a place to dump the rubble. There are records of about 400 trucks every day driving to the uh, Teufelsberg site to dump off the rubble. Now in West Berlin, it was a slightly different situation from East Berlin. East Berlin had the whole of East Germany to dump its rubble. West Berlin, on the other hand, was surrounded on all sides by essentially hostile territory. It's actually pretty phenomenal. It's about uh, estimated about 400,000 houses that create this mountain. And it took 22 years to build, which kind of, kind of reflects the, um, the scale of destruction and uh, also the scale of rebuilding efforts. So, it all started with a military training facility built by the Nazis. It was then covered up by huge amounts of rubble from the city of Berlin afterwards and declared a recreational area. But that's just the beginning of the story. What we're going to visit today has become one of the most symbolic representations of Berlin's time during the Cold War, the field station Teufelsberg, the US-run spy station. You know, views over, wow, look at that. Oh, yeah. I recognize this, actually. Yeah, I've been here before. It's already pretty good. Oh, wow. Look how high we are. I had no idea that we were already so high. Look at this. Can we just explain what we're looking at here? Well, I think we're looking at the green forest, like Grunewald. Like, I think the, 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 um, the trees right in front of us, which is, as far as the eye can see, is the, uh, the big patch of, of green forest inside of former West Berlin. We got up a bit more. Okay, so uh, right now we can see, do you see what I mean? This is this oh, yeah. wire mesh yeah. been covered over here by just a random piece of metal yeah. grate yeah. Um, next to a piece of wiring that's been redone, looks like three or four times. So yeah, you can definitely see where people tried to get through um, this barren land right here again. What is this we're seeing? Okay, this is the entrance. Here? This is the entrance. Oh, this is the entrance. Oh, okay. All right. So, come up. I'm going to take this recording equipment off until we know what's going on. What oh, do we keep no, it on? No, keep no, we keep it on. I just feel really exposed with my. Yeah, no. But if they ask us to not do it, then we're, we won't do it. And this is a moment where things get really interesting. We see the proprietors standing at the entrance. One of them is holding a gun, which actually turns out to be a an air gun. Um, and we are slowly making our way towards them. And you'll hear how all of that goes down after the break. Break time. What do you want to do in life? Uh, I want to be a farmer. We start about something else. I don't want to talk about my future. <laughs> all right, sure. <laughs> Let's um, talk about your future. Well, my future. Walrus, what did you just come out with last week? What did you just publish? Oh, I, I, made, a, I made a video. I made a video documentary, short video, video doc of a jazz musician who just brought a record out. That's actually a friend of mine. I've watched it myself. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, amongst the verticals. Among verticals, Among yes. Verticals. That's what the record is called. The artist is called Ben van Gelder. Check it out. Um, he makes awesome music. So, oh, well, you, you wrote something too. You wrote a new piece. It's about the Olympic Village. No, it's not about the... It's <laughs> I know what it's about. I know what it's about. It's about the Hansa Theater. It's about the Hansa Theater. Tell me about that. It's a quarter... It's, it's, a, it's a... 
a part of Berlin that was actually being remodeled, recreated, reconstructed back in the 1950s um, with an with an organization called Interbau, which was actually a group of architects from all over the world. And uh, yeah, the blog explores what, how, what 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 was the ideology that went into creating it and uh, what is it today. Definitely go check it out. Monumentmusing.blogspot.com.de. Co.uk. I don't know. Break time is over. All right, we're back and we're standing here in front of the entrance of Teufelsberg. So let me describe the setting for you a little bit. There's stuff lying all over the place and under a makeshift wooden canopy, there's four people sitting on a couple of benches, one of whom is holding a rifle, like a thing you see on carnivals. Looks intimidating, but actually an air rifle, Mm -hmm. which he proceeds to shoot while we're standing right in front of him. So I ask him whether we pay with them, and then if people are always being awaited with a gun. So yeah, and everything is going sort of all right, but then as Izzy is writing her name down on the paper, the guy is starting to shoot at the canisters up ahead. Can we just describe that encounter? <laughs> By the way, this is where the station starts, right? This is it. This is it. This is the spy station. No, but that was uh, that was interesting for sure. Just a couple people sitting there on a couple couches. One with a air gun. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was uh, very pleasant. It was not very friendly. Sort of like, hey, yeah, of course, guy, just take a seat. What do you think about it? That was just a bit strange. It was just sort of a bit surreal. Is this by the way? Oh, look at that! Look at that! Okay, we forget all of it. My first glance of the Teufelsberg, of the radar station. Yeah, so our entrance was a bit weird. But as you heard, we have now arrived at the main story of today, the field station of Berlin's Teufelsberg. You ready for this? Yep, I'm ready. So the um during the Cold War, it, because it was so high and it uh, had just the best reception, um, the uh, Allies, the West Allies, uh, built um, a listening post called the Field Station Berlin, which uh, listened into the Soviet Union. And uh, later on, it was taken over by the NSA. I, mean, I can see the towers over there. They, they have these sort of canvas or, or yeah, what is that? No, sort of like textile wrapped around them but it's all worn off and i mean you have all the ingredients for you know you have like the u.s military british military spies um you know cold war all this kind of you know stuff that usually you only see on tv or whatever so what do you want to do where where do you want to walk let's walk up this staircase here the staircase over here what are we going into we're going into a building like a flat building it's like a one-story building well, I don't know, but either one of these doors, they don't look that inviting. 
They don't, do they? No. So we enter anyway with the help of my flashlight to accompany us. Well, like the whole thing that doesn't make it appealing is it's that's so dark, right? It's so dark. Okay, I'm going to get up my... Flashlight? Flashlight on my phone. Deep, deep, deep. Which Look looks that. incredibly weak. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's all this fucking equipment. <laughs> Spy station. Oh, this is the paper shredder. I read about this. This really? is, yeah, okay, so they were collecting so much information on all of these sheets and sheets and sheets of paper that they had to get rid of, like, the vast majority, like 99% of the information they were getting. And because this is before the ages of computers, they were just writing all of this information down or printing it off. And so they had to get rid of all of this information. Not printing it off, obviously, writing it down, right? And uh, these paper burners and paper shredders were constantly working, like, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And this is also one of the only rooms in which women worked, in fact. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, women were a rare commodity in Spy Station. Uh, what do they call this place? The Spy Station? The Spy Station, yes. Um, Uphurst, that's true. So this is, this is one of the only rooms in which women were constantly working, because obviously... Uh, women can't do real jobs, they just shove paper into machines that burn it. Wow, and it's uh, it's a real dump in here. Uh, and it's pitch black. <laughs> I mean, it's really dark. There's a door over there. Are we going to walk over there? I'm quite impressed with my iPhone. Yeah, it's I'm doing pretty well. After you. Oh, holy shit. What the hell is that? <laughs> so... Um, we're looking here at two machines, two sort of silos, right? That is, that's what they look like. What the hell is this thing? Is this another contraption to burn paper? It looks like something you can... Like, it distributes things as well, right? Because I can see there's some tubes going out of these machines. So we're looking at these two silos, approximately five, six meters high or something like this. There are two tubes coming out and, and going into these silos from the other room, from the oh, paper yeah. burners. Yeah, you're so right. maybe it has something to do with that. Look, and in, in one of them, you can see ashes. Oh, you can oh, actually. No, no, no. Oh, there's plenty of ashes. I think this is something to do with... Oh, and we've got a door opening here, the, window, the door to the contraption. Oh, look at this. Oh, holy shit. Uh, so we discovered the downstairs area a bit, and there were definitely lots of relics from a bygone past. As Karen described, it's quite special that you can walk around the area that was used as a former listening station. There were approximately 1,500 people working at Teufelsberg, and Karen managed to speak to one of them back in the days. It kind of reveals like the, the Cold War tension that existed as well, because I remember he told me at the time that... Teufelsberg was like a prime, they were aware that it was a prime target for the Soviets as well and that if any, you know, Cold War um, festivities broke out that Teufelsberg would be the first to be hit. Um, and so they were working there and they're, they're kind of aware of this constant pressure that, that they were always in the firing line and they had this sort of, uh, you know, dark humour then as well to try and cope with the stress. But one of the things we must do, of course, is head up into the big domes of the former listening station. And so we go up. Where, where do we... I think it's up here. And up. And up. Another floor. And up. Wow, it sounds like a lot of wind over here. 
Ah, look at that. Oh. We can see the Funktorm or the radio tower and in the distance we can actually see the television tower in the city of Berlin. Oh. Looks great. So this is the view that countless uh, American GIs who got surveillance duty and flown over to West Berlin, this is the view they would have got over essentially enemy ground and that's what we have to think about when we're standing here you know when they were looking out over this cityscape they were looking at a completely different city a city that was split into into two parts east and west and uh, from one of the interviews that I watched of a, of a guy who worked here in the 1970s and 1980s he said that you could actually see the Berlin Wall from the very top oh really so you could see the Berlin Wall. And also he explained how on uh, fireworks night, on Sylvester, on the, uh, the New Year's Eve parties, you'd be able to tell exactly which was east and which was west because the fireworks stopped as soon as you got to the Berlin Wall. <laughs> so I thought that was quite a funny anecdote. Oh shit, I just looked up where we still need to go up towards. Oh my God. It's really freaking high. We've covered nothing. <laughs> what have we done? We still need to go all the way up. Well, shall we do it? Because there's only one thing that we haven't let you in on yet. A little secret. And we can find it all the way up at the top of the tower. So. Actually, I think this is quite a poignant piece of uh, art on the side. It looks like Wales. You know Wales oh, who yeah, did the yeah, angel. Yeah. Uh, so you've got, I think it's death with a cloak over his head and like a skull type face. And then he's attached uh, through very thin strings to another guy behind us who, who's naked and he kind of looks a bit like a, a sacrificial victim. And this, these two figures actually surround us on all sides around this massive white dome. And this dome, I don't know if you can hear that in the audio, but it is designed in such a way to reflect the voice, reflect the sounds in numerous times. So, so shall we do some Gregorian singing? Okay, but this, I want to stay still for this for a little bit. What, oh what, is, what is wrong with what we're, see, what we're looking at? There is a, a hole, there is a door-shaped hole on one of the sides of the dome, which basically creates this slanted door, which feels like, when you're looking down, it feels like you're about to fall off the edge and into the forest deep, deep below. And it's just open. It's <laughs> open. Do you want to stand there? Okay. Do I, do, shall I hold you? Shall I hold your backpack? 
Do you Take have a picture of me. So if I die, <laughs> at least you've got a picture of me doing it. Holy shit. Oh. I, feel, I feel uncomfortable with you doing this. And I'm fucking terrified. And I'll lean against the fence. No, I'm not going to do that. We stayed in the dome for a little bit longer before heading back down again. Also, trying to get our head around this place. What will come of it and how will it develop? And just in 1996, a uh, movement came into it because uh, they once uh, talked about um, rip tearing down the field station. It was too expensive. Preserving it was also too expensive, so they sold it to an investor who planned um, the resort Teufelsberg, he called it. Uh, I mean, when they, when they took over, they took over the time when the city was, I think, just flogging anything it had. Um, it needed money and everything was, quite a lot was taken over by developers. And I think it was at a time when the city, city officials didn't put too much thought into what was going to happen, you know, a few years down the road. It was just kind of a quick fire sale sort of thing. But he couldn't get enough funding for it. So, um, so it kind of stayed as it is. And the city can't buy it back anymore because it's too expensive. There was just a report two months ago. It would cost about 45 million just to purchase the site itself. So I think from the city's point of view, um, it's kind of turned into a bit of a headache for them. Um, because they also see that I'm, I'm, I'm probably a bit cynical when it comes to this but when they see that there is a, a, an opportunity to, to make further money through tourism for example they're very pro um, well they're very they're keen to make the most of that as well so I'm, I'm sure with Teufelsberg they can see that there is the potential there for a lot of um, I mean it's a great tourist attraction of course this total parallel story to the official narrative of what happened to it who purchased it and so on is that people actually discovered it after a while and uh, made it to an important site what it is now and it's just important through people blogging about it or writing articles and doing art and so on right but there are plans of, of uh, but these plans are pretty old already, so it's, it's by the investor because he can't really do anything anymore to, um, to have a cafe in it and maybe an exhibition space or so. But the, the, there's been talk about that since the last eight years, so I don't know if there is a new development in that thing. funny feeling when you're here because if you think about the history this is a place that heard so much you know heard noises from all around the area all the way apparently to Moscow you could you could hear Brezhnev brushing his teeth that was their little catchphrase um, and today it's almost completely silent you just have the wind blowing through trees and the tiny tinkling of a little of a little you know, gizmo gadget in the, in the trees to make this like lovely tinkling sound in the background. It's it's silence is the real sound that you hear hear here, isn't it?
and so much for our Teufelsberg episode. We want to thank Kieran Fahey for sharing his knowledge of the site. You can find amazing stories of many abandoned places at AbandonedBerlin.com. Also, big thanks to Chris Wunsch, whose book Teufelsberg, a Berlin ruinology, can be found in many Berlin bookstores or online. Links in the show notes. Musical.ly is specifically created for this podcast by Denis Wouters, Mark Schilders and Svetnik. If you like the show, subscribe or share and leave a rating on iTunes. Ratings on iTunes really help boosting the show and we would thoroughly appreciate getting your support. We like your faces. They're curvy and have all these weird knobs on it and we hope to speak to it next time again. A production from 4000 Hertz in Berlin. This is Walrus and Otter. Goodbye. Goodbye. A 4000 Hertz Production 2016